Welcome to the Lyme 360 podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama 5, founder of Lyme 360 and a fellow Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to learn about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Hi, welcome back to the Lime 360 podcast. This is your host, Mimi McLean, and I'm excited to have the EMF guy on today, Nick Pinnell, and he is an EMF expert and author of the best-selling book, The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMF. Since late 2016, he has become a passionate advocate for safe technologies, raising awareness around the EMF problem on well over 100 combined podcasts, Facebook Lives, radio shows, TV shows, and stages around the world. Nick's biggest goal is to incentivize tech companies, governments, regulators, and consumers alike to demand and develop technologies that support the life of humans, animals, and the planet. And I'm excited to talk to him today about how EMF affects Lyme and 5G and everything that's going on in the wireless tech world right now that is affecting our health. Thank you for joining in today. Please go to Lime360.com to sign up for our newsletter so you'll be notified of our next podcast and our weekly newsletter as well. And also, if you would like to help support our podcast, I have a shop page there with all the items that I use and suggest that a little bit of the profit goes to helping fund our podcast. Nick, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. And sorry about the the blur. It's uh, it's at night here in Thailand. Is that where you are? Yeah, this is what we deal with. And this is why I have my blue blockers too, because uh, I want to get some sleep afterwards. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to talk about. That's great. That's awesome. And thanks for coming on with the time change. But I want to start with your glasses, because I think some people, I don't know if, if everyone's watching this or just listening to this. But if you're just listening, he has on um, yellow glasses, sunglasses, and they're blockers. But if you could just talk a little bit about them. Sure. Yeah. Not all the people are necessarily aware, but increasingly, even ophthalmologists, eye doctors are aware that if you're exposed to the very bright white light that comes off of screens, especially in the evening, it will suppress your ability to release melatonin which is a very important antioxidant, but also sleep hormone. So what you can do to prevent that is to wear uh, tinted glasses. And these are not just sunglasses. They specifically block the blue spectrum because the blue light and green light are the types of light that when they hit your eye or even your skin to some degree, they are stimulating and they they prevent good sleep. So normally I have, well, I look normal (laughs) and I have just these normal glasses. And these are from a company called uh, Bon Charge, uh, B-O-N Charge, and it used to be called Blue Blocks, but there are several good companies out there that have blue blockers. Uh, There are certain ones that are even more tinted towards the red and that block even more, which you can wear watching TV. And uh, if you watch TV shows at night or look at your phone, these are ways that you can block these waves. And not all people think about it, but we're talking about EMFs today, electromagnetic fields. Well, visible light is part of the EMF spectrum. So blocking light is also part of blocking EMFs. It's it's included in the same mix, except that this light you can see, whereas we're going to talk about other EMFs that you cannot, right? So there's other frequencies that are otherwise invisible. Mm-hmm. So the yellow or the red, because I just actually at David Asprey's place in LA and he had all the glasses on display there. 
and he had the different colors. And and so the yellow or the red is good. It doesn't matter which color. The red's a little bit better. Yeah, in the evening, right before going to bed, at least an hour, some people would tend towards the very dark red ones, uh, except to watch TV, sometimes you don't get as much of, uh, let's say, the beauty of the show if you watch, I don't know, the new, what is it, Game of Thrones, the new thing that just launched, and you want to see the, the beauty of it, right? But uh, so the yellow tinted glasses for me is something that I wear, in fact, during the day also at a computer because I found it was recommended to me by a physician, Dr. Ben Lynch, who's, who's very well known for his work around epigenetics, and he's himself electrosensitive. And it's, so when he tells me something, I try it because I also usually can feel EMS or get brain fog when I'm exposed to Wi-Fi, for example. So he told me, Nick, you've got to try these yellow glasses when you work at a computer. And the moment I put them on, receiving them from Bond Charge, I realized, my God, I can read better. I don't get as much eye strain. So even, you know, professional video gamers now, or even people that program software for hours and hours on end, they use the yellow tinted glasses because they realize that it calms down their eyes. You don't feel as um, irritated uh, by looking at a screen for long hours. So as an author or someone who spends a lot of time in front of a computer. Yeah. Or kids too, right? All of our teenagers like playing video games or homework. Yeah. So it's great. So how did you get into uh, 2016 was the year that you kind of dove into EMF? Yeah, I started the, a little bit before that, but, but I read one book after another. And, you know, I was focused on environmental toxins before, but especially toxins in the food supply. I was writing newsletter about you know, tap water isn't safe and it's still not safe. <laughs> or at least, I mean, it's not perfectly safe. You think that it's completely safe and then you hear about Flint, Michigan, and then people just heard about Flint, Michigan with heavy metal contamination where the city officials, have, like there's been, some people went to prison after that because they knew and they did nothing. But the thing is, a follow-up a follow report that was reported on by Dr. Mercola at the time said that, you know, there's hundreds of cities that are worse than Flint. Yeah. Well, even fluoride, let's just take fluoride in the water, right? It was just Flint was uh, was lead, if I re recall correctly. But in other cities, you might have arsenic, you might have this and that. So it's kind of very maddening. So these topics just make my, my blood boil and I want to talk about it. And I, I say, okay, enough is enough. We need to filter out our tap water. And I really grew, you know, a little bit, not a little bit, a lot, frustrated a lot because of the inability of governments to take care of this stuff. It should be the U.S. government that takes care of, the, of its citizens. And in Canada, it should be uh, the Canadian government that takes, takes care of citizens by making sure that everyone filters out their water when you hear stuff like Flint. In Montreal, we got a notice at home uh, at my condo back in Montreal. Now I'm traveling the entire year. I'm going to go back next July. And we got a notice, well, you might have lead in your tap water. And they don't know. They don't know if uh, exactly. So they say, well, kind of, they, they, they kind of, uh, I don't, don't want to be vulgar, but um, they, 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 don't, they do not do things the right way. They kind of half asset is what I want to say. There's no better term in English, I think. They kind of they say, oh, well, maybe you want to filter it and you, you kind of don't know. Exactly. So you're kind of left by yourself to navigate these things. So with that in mind, when I started getting into cell phones and, and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, and when I realized how bad it is, 
how the science around those is not sound, the safety science that is, and our safety guidelines protect us against nothing. They basically consider that everyone is at the same exposure level. They don't have special guidelines for children's exposure, but their bodies are smaller, their cranium is smaller. They get way much more exposure compared to an adult because of the fact that they have more water in their body. So there's a lot of nonsense when you start looking into it. And then you start realizing that there's a ton of studies talking about the loss of fertility especially in men who keep a cell phone in their pocket. And you say, wait a minute, why why is it that we don't get a warning sign on the cell phone? So I got into one thing and another and realized how big it is because we're talking about more, there's more cell phone subscriptions than humans on earth, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's now something like 9 billion phones. And of course, most of them end up in the trash. But all that to say that everyone is connected, being exposed, And most people do not realize that this machine or these machines emitting wireless radiation can have the same impact as the blue light we talked about. The signal is invisible in that case. The EMF is invisible, but it it can and it will impact your sleep. But especially for people that are chronically ill, it goes beyond that because if you don't sleep well, well, you don't heal as much you don't detox as much. So right there, ju- just the sleep effect might be something for you to consider. If you're trying to do a protocol to get out of chronic disease, it's probably what most people listening to this are trying to do. You want to have as much quality sleep as humanly possible. What doctors realize, the doctors that are EMF aware, is when they tell their patients to turn off the cell phone at night, turn off Wi-Fi, do not keep all these devices near your pillow, people sleep better. In some cases, they sleep a lot better. And in those cases, people were especially sensitive to those disruptive signal during the night. And that's just the really the tip of the iceberg when it comes to, to the effect. And I have to talk about something that is brand new for me that I learned a few weeks ago. I learned about the MCAS, the uh, mast cell activation syndrome that you probably reported on a lot. Lyme disease sufferers in some cases have this mast cell activation syndrome where you're you're basically, someone called it, I think uh, on a blog that I was reading, the PTSD of the immune system, where your immune system is in shock and reacting to everything. Well, one of the top researchers in the world on MCAS said that EMF radiation in rats, at least in the rat model that he, that he looked at, the fairly recent study in 2009, he said that this is causing mast cell degranulation, so a histamine release quickly when rats are exposed to EMFs. What does that mean? It means, and it's something that has been hypothesized for two decades by other colleagues that I have, is that when you talk on your phone, when you have a cell phone in your home or close to your body, you use it a lot, you are adding in this extra, um, let's say, histamine release or uh, this inflammatory cascade that you might be getting from foods, from chemicals, from mold, and then you added EMFs. Yes, it's possible that 
you will feel a tingling sensation or in some cases, a burning sensation or itching from your cell phone. And some people have told me that. I got an email last week, someone who said, Nick, how is it possible that whenever I'm on the laptop for more than 15 minutes, I start getting itchy everywhere? Well, some unlucky folks have this histamine reaction that is exaggerated when they are exposed to this signal. And it it is bizarre, but You know, some people are getting the same thing because they're allergic to some rays, just natural EMFs even. So that that exists as well in people, especially that are chronically ill. Everything is dysfunctioning. So these are a bit extreme examples. But what is important to mention here is that even in healthy people, this has been identified. So healthy participants that were exposed by cell phone radiation or other types of EMFs also have a histamine release, but they don't feel it. Oh, okay. It does not mean that it doesn't do anything, right? So it's not because you don't feel it that it's not having a stressful effect to your biology. So I want people to think about EMFs the same way we think about, we talked about Flint, Michigan, environmental toxins. Do you need to be exposed to more lead in your life? No, we know that lead you know, there's no healthy dose of lead. We should have none, but it doesn't happen. So we should minimize our exposure to lead and pesticides and glyphosate. But yeah, it's everywhere. So we try to eat organic. We try to filter out that stuff. The same thing for EMS. We cannot filter it out, but we can minimize time of use, the proximity of these machines to our body. And then really it's where we place these machines in our life that that matter a lot when it comes to our cumulative overall exposure. So do you have any suggestions as far as like, look, we're not going to tell everybody to give up their cell phone, right? No, no, definitely not. Like I never put mine to it in my head to listen ever. You know, I'll either keep it on speaker or I know it's not great, but I use like the, still use my earpiece that has the wire right? The Bluetooth, people think that they're okay. They're they're not, right? It's replacing one bad thing for another. It really what it is. You know, Bluetooth is essentially the same signal as a cell phone. Like a little mini, right? Little mini device in the, in your ear. You know, like those things that you can buy to put on the back of the phone. Do those work? You know, they, they haven't seen a difference that much. I'm in communication with scientists and what they say is some devices seem to make Some people feel better. There might be a biological effect where it might strengthen your your body's natural defenses. And and we're getting into the biofield now, kind of the natural EMFs emitted by the human body. And the research, uh, the pioneer in that field is called uh, Dr. Beverly Rubik, uh, R-U-B-I-K. And I talked with Dr. Rubik, and she said that these EMFs will disrupt our biofield, which is something you can measure around the body, different fields emitted by the body. So without any surprise, it is disruptive. And some devices you can install on your devices uh, might prevent some of that disruption. But the problem I have and the problem a lot of scientists have is if you install those, it does not mean your cell phone is safe now. And the impression that some people get is, well, you know what? I understand that EMFs are dangerous and uh, I'm going to install a chip or kind of sticky with a pyramid sign on there. And now my cell phone is safe. It's not, it doesn't work that way. There's no magic pill at the moment that I've identified that will replace a healthy EMF hygiene. So this is really why 
I don't want to necessarily endorse these technologies at the moment. Mm. So uh, even for sleeping, if you take your cell phone out of your room for Wi-Fi, like this is my dilemma. Like with my Wi-Fi, my like alarm is hooked up to my my Wi-Fi or whatever, my internet. So if I shut it down from like 10 to 6, then like what happens to my, you know, my security system? Yeah, you would have to use one of two technologies, either Ethernet cables. So a cabled security system is going to require some work, a bit of an investment. Of course, you run the cables or an IT company can run cables. And then, you know, it's still on the Internet. Ideally, you would be able to just turn off the Wi-Fi function at night. Some routers have a button on there where you can turn off Wi-Fi, but not turn off the Internet. Right. So these are two different things. But yeah, again, there's if you're having trouble with it, please email me and I'll, I'll try to help you troubleshoot. But other technologies that exist are also power over Ethernet. So you can basically have your router send signals through the electrical wire of your entire home. And then at any outlet, you can take that signal and then have a wire go to a computer or a tablet or a cell phone. It's a bit complicated to explain without having visuals, but there there are technologies that are not Wi-Fi and are more reliable. And something I've shown, for example, on Instagram recently is in this Airbnb apartment here in Thailand, I don't have Wi-Fi. I turned it off. And people ask me, well, okay, well, you have a computer, you have a tablet for the kiddo sometimes. And yes, he still watches that. Like I have all these gadgets. I use all of them, but I use an ethernet cable. So I have, I brought an ethernet cable that you can still purchase from Amazon or whatever. And you, you will hook up that cable from the router to your computer or from the router to your tablet or even from the router to a phone, because most people don't realize, but you can still hardwire an iPhone or Samsung. Most smartphones can still be hardwired. And what happens when you do so is you're able to go on the internet. You cannot receive calls or texts, except if they're sent via WhatsApp or Messenger, for example. But then all the people just use those these days and, and not really the cell service. And I can update my apps very rapidly. So it's very convenient. And I can also, I do Instagram stories sometimes. These days I like to show my uh, my running and whatever personal things I'm, I'm, I'm doing. And I will record all my videos in advance instead of posting them while I'm on the go because this is very EMF intensive and this would expose me to a lot of EMFs. I would be right there in front of the phone and then it would go to 4G and the machine would be blasting to try to upload these videos. I don't need to do that right away. I record all of them during the day. And at the end of my day, I go to the Ethernet cable, plug it in, and then I will upload all my stories, for example. So it's just a change of habit in how you use your gadgets that will really, really make a big difference in your exposure. And if you realize for yourself that it makes a difference, it's worth it to start exploring how much of a difference could it make, especially for people that are chronically ill. Some people start by turning off the Wi-Fi at night and they see a tremendous difference. Well, if that alone makes a difference, if you turn off your phone or the Wi-Fi router at night and you see a difference, imagine what could happen if you stop using Wi-Fi on your computer and go hardwired. Now we're talking about many hours per week of exposure that you eliminate. Maybe you're going to start 
healing faster, feeling better, more energy. I've, I've really heard it all. You know, some people go even a more extreme step and they will um, enclose their bed under an EMF blocking canopy, for example, as recommended by certain functional medicine doctors, especially for chronically ill patients. Some people can see a reduction in their need for thyroid medication. Some people start sleeping for the first time in decades. Like these are miracles, but in the end, and something that is extremely important to stress is that we're not doing something bizarre or novel by eliminating EMFs. We're going back to how things were a few decades ago. I know. Right. So we're just going back to the normal ancestral environment. Right. The other thing I would love for you to discuss, which has happened over the last, I think, decade that no one's really talking about is the smart meters in your house. They kind of have slowly changed the meters. Remember we used to have the meter guys that come to our house and would read the meter and, and it was all manual. And the companies, electrical companies have slowly switched them over without asking for permission. And those are extremely toxic, right? Like emitting a lot. So you want to make sure your bedroom is not like on the other side. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, again, proximity. So imagine that you're turning off your phone at night and the Wi-Fi and you say, you know what? I tackled everything. You did a great start and that's great. You should take care of your immediate device that you have control over. There is a problem though when other people expose you. <laughs> so for example, if you have an entire wall right next to your bedroom that is all smart meters for the entire neighborhood or the entire building, then you might be in trouble. And some people are sleepless, but they cannot turn off the smart meter. So in that case, you could there are shielding solutions that exist. Or if it's just one smart meter and it is bothering you or you find out that it is really contributing to a large part of your exposure, well, you can have that smart meter replaced in most states or countries. Sometimes there's a penalty fee you got to pay and it can be, you know, a, a kind of uphill battle against the, the utility company. Sometimes you can get it replaced with a non-smart meter. If it cannot be replaced, that would be the first step to try. If it cannot be replaced, there are shielding solutions you can put over the meter. Smart meter guard, for example, is one of them. That's a product you put over it and it kind of dampens the signal. But in the end, if people are unsure of what to do or if you're chronically ill and you're able to afford it, just like a mold inspector makes sense if you suspect mold, if you suspect outside EMF sources that you cannot really take control of, I really recommend hiring an EMF consultant. These are people that can come to your home, take readings. There's my colleague, Brian Hoyer at Shielded Healing. There's the building biology profession. That's, uh, you know, there's hundreds of professionals in North America alone now that can come to your home, take readings, and then recommend you the best steps to do. And if you realize that there are smart meters, or if you uh, yourself are a little bit worried about cell towers and these external sources that can be scary and can be a, a real problem, well, these professionals can really help you because trying to self-navigate this is pretty much like saying, oh, I'm going to do my own mold inspection. I wouldn't do it myself. I had someone come to our, my house and they do everything. They even, like, they told me like, 
oh, your wash machine is wired wrong. I don't know what what EMF or whatever that was admitting. They're like, so that was admitting something up into your daughter's bedroom. So all you had to do is switch the wires. Like they weren't wired correctly and it was admitting something that was very toxic or whatever. They said it could cause cancer or whatever. And then we also put on in her room, like an on and off switch at night. So it helps so that for her room, it would shut off because she was above like where all the washer and dryers and everything were. And that was admitting too much stuff. So it is amazing what they can tell you. I would love to touch on 5G if you can, if you can, because I've heard a lot about that. You know, there's obviously a lot of quote unquote conspiracy theories going on around 5G with the vaccines and health. And I, I don't know if any of that's true and it may be too, you know, too sticky to touch, but what, I mean, I, I would assume no, no matter what, it is probably worse because it's a 5G, it's a higher signal. So I don't know, do you have any insight on 5G? Well, 5G is worse for a lot of reasons. And it, the reason is we don't need more exposure. It, it's like saying, do we need even more pesticides to be sprayed everywhere, right? Well, no one in their right mind would think so, except I think lately the government of Canada said yes to more pesticides. I think my my brother is in agriculture and he was revolted about some news. So anyway, normally people that have still a head and, and some intelligence say, you know, we should start reducing our toxic exposure. But what we're doing with EMS is quite the opposite. We're rolling out new technologies like the 5G is the fifth generation of cellular networks. Well, this is not replacing all, all previous generations. It's added on top. You still have 3G towers, a lot of them. You still have 4G LTE, and they install 5G on top. So it means more antennas. It means a densification of the electropollution. So we're increasing the levels. And this has been proven now by uh, scientific studies and readings that have been taken in cities when they install 5G, this the pollution goes up. So not only are you exposed to your own devices that you you struggle to control and you learn about and all this, but now you got to worry on top of that of, about all these 5G towers that are being installed closer and closer to people's home. And if one is installed near your home, well, it's like having that Wi-Fi router or worse that is always on. You cannot turn it off. So on top of that, what is very sad is that you get exposed without you know having consented to it and you cannot do much about it you can shield and whatnot but do you really want to live in a in a shielded box for the rest of your life eventually you gotta get out the bed the the shielded room and do something with your life so it is just very sad that we're exposed to this so for me as far as far i i don't go necessarily to the same extent that some people do about 5G, there are surveillance issues with the 5G towers. There's a lot of other issues that we could talk about, even the environmental side of things. Environmentalists should be all over it because it, it is extremely wasteful. It takes so much energy. The material that are used for new antennas and all the tech spaces, you know, it's it's rare materials and so it, there's a lot of reasons to oppose these technologies and just say, you know what, we should slow down our, our role because at the moment what we have, the infrastructure we have is sufficient and we should stop coming up with a new generation and, and trashing away your phone every year. This is completely unsustainable for the planet for so many reasons. So it doesn't work. 
But now it's something pushed by the industry and they create a fake demand or they create a product and then try to argue that it's cool and that people want it. They want the money, right? It's all money driven. Exactly. It is money driven. So that's as far as 5G goes, to me, it's more of a bad thing. And one of the problems that happened in the last few years is that people freak out so much about 5G that I think they forget about the rest. They forget about Wi-Fi having an importance about, you know, if you have a 4G phone, it's not safe either. Everything before 5G was not safe either. 1G was not safe. There were indications in the 1950s in the military when they started using radar, which is a similar technology as cell phone towers, if we put it that way, at a much higher intensity sometimes. But they saw in radar radar operators that there were health problems and fertility issues. Well, you know, now we're 70 years later and still people keep rolling out these technologies. So it's really the, the cumulative effect of all this. And now they're thinking about 6G and global satellites and all this And it's nonsensical to keep increasing exposure. That's really the problem with 5G. And to be quite honest, we're all forced, in a sense, in the next years to start using 5G because all the phones are going to switch to 5G and eventually the 4G towers are going to be gone. So you can't even keep using 4G anymore. So what's going to happen is this. You have to keep using the safe EMF hygiene steps we talked about. Do not use it on the ear. Use a speakerphone instead. Use a wired ear set, for example. Turn it off at night. Everything's going to stay true. And before the technology is safe, we have to make it safe. We have to be the safeguards against these exposures. And when you start doing so, you see the benefits. You see the benefits of reducing that kind of stress in your life. Are you wearing an aura ring? I am. Yep. Okay. So that's my question. I struggle with this. Like wearing an aura ring or an iWatch, like is that... Having a device on your body, how bad is that for you? Good question. I struggle with it because like, I want to know my sleep and stuff like that. But then I'm like, ah, it's like, it's Wi-Fi. Well, it emits a small magnetic field, small electric field uh, because it is battery powered. It is small. Is it completely safe? I couldn't say, but it does not emit wireless if you keep it on airplane mode. And that's my recommendation is to only use wearables that can be used on airplane mode. The Oura Ring is special because it stores the data locally. So it reads your sleep, it will track your sleep. But while doing so, it's not always pinging your phone with Bluetooth if you tell it not not to do so. It's on airplane mode. In the morning, I put it on my charger. I will sync it with my phone on Bluetooth, right, with the wireless, but I don't stay right next to it. And then I put it back on airplane mode. So for me, there's zero exposure to my body as far as Bluetooth goes. For the iWatch and certain, I think the latest models of Fitbit may be able to do it. I think you can operate them on airplane mode in most situations. But again, if you use the iWatch and you want to receive texts and things like that, well, you know, it's just not ideal because it's a wearable. You're by default, you're putting it very close to your body, which is completely the opposite of what scientists are saying at the moment. They say, do not put a phone in your pocket. Do not put a, f- uh, a device close to your body because yes, for chronically ill people, I talked about sleep and whatnot, but the biggest risk might be the cancers. 
that are more long-term. And of course, I, I haven't really heard lately of people getting cancer of the wrist or stuff like that. But, you know, if it's in the pocket, it's it's problematic. And if you sleep with it and you have exposures, you might be sleeping with it like this, very close to your face. And there are cancer risks to various tissues like the ty uh, thyroid gland, for example, parotid gland, the acoustic neuromas that can lead to complications that are not the cancerous, but that can be dangerous enough leading to death, for example. So I wouldn't, personally, I, I would not really have something that is constantly emitting Bluetooth and that is on my body 24-7. Just with good conscience, I, I cannot recommend it. Is it like how dangerous it is? I don't know. We, we don't know exactly. But if we're being cautious, we would try to minimize how much we rely on these devices. Right. Nick, this has been amazing. You have many places that we can find you, emfguide.com. But can you talk a little bit about your summit that's coming up as well? Yes, emfguide.com. I have courses that can help you figure out this stuff at home. For example, I've got professional training. I've got a podcast. And all the resources are there on the website. Products, my book, The Non-Tinfoil Guide to EMFs, still still good you know uh, years later it's still people discover it and 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 wrote about it and i'm very happy to say that i'm, I'm going to be writing a next book called the still non-tinfoil guide to emfs i don't know if it's going to be 2024 or five i i hope a little bit before that but i'm starting to dive into the project and i'm excited because i've discovered so much in the last years i'm learning i'm learning every year i'm learning so much and usually it has to do with it's worse than i thought unfortunately. So anyway, that's why I do the summit, by the way, be to for my own learning experience, because I interview top scientists, I interview doctors that are specialized in electrosensitivity. So if you have Lyme, if you've been sickened by mold, if you have multiple chemical sensitivity, these are huge risk factors for being electrosensitive as well. So this is something you want to listen to. I have some of the best scientists in the world, Professor uh, Holly Johansson, Dr. Martin Paul, these are household names, Dr. Beverly Rubik, who talks about the biofield. So really top-notch scientists and activists and EMF medication specialists that are joining us on a yearly summit. It starts on February uh, 2nd until the 5 of 2023, and it's free to attend for the public during these dates. So I'm excited to spread the word out. The first summit was a real success. And this one, I must say, I love the interviews even more. I'm very happy with the content. Great. That's awesome. Do you ever, this is a side note, personal note. Do you get nervous? I mean, there's a lot of people who probably don't want you like bringing all this information up. Do you ever get like nervous for your safety? Uh, for my safety? No, I don't think so. I think it's too widespread now. There are people in government, scientists, medical doctors uh, on our side of history. And it's not, no, I, I'm not controversial enough. I don't, I don't see controversy. What, I'm, what I used to be afraid of is uh, trolls, internet trolls and things like that. There's plenty of those, but um, now I, I've, I've, I've become so good at my craft. I think that I always know how to handle those and I send them to resources that sometimes surprise them. And some of them came back to me with an apology saying, well, I thought, you know, there was nothing when it comes to EMLs, but you sent me to that electrical engineer who specialized in talking about EMF dangers or this very prestigious Yale guy or this guy from Harvard. And 
it's bizarre, right? These top-level scientists are kind of saying that it might be dangerous. I said, yeah, that's why, that's why I do this. And I'm only reporting what is out there. And there are very credible scientists. It's not a fringe thing. No, it's not. But it's kind of like the cigarettes were from, you know, back in a long time ago. It's not widely recognized. I can give you that. But it, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's evolving every year. And I see new scientists joining and realizing that it's a big issue and, and uh, being courageous enough to talk about it. Yeah, it's a smoking gun. At some point, everyone's going to be like, what? It's like cigarettes, right? All of a sudden, you're like, wait, we were all smoking cigarettes and, you know, like our parents' generation and they no one thought about it. No one thought like, oh, wait, it causes lung cancer. And then all of a sudden, of course it does. Same thing with this. Yeah, in a few decades, it's going to be like that. Then and I'll say, oh, I was there. I was there first and no one will care, but at least people will have changed their habits by then. Yes, that's right. But thank you so much. This has been amazing. I really appreciate your time and good luck with your summit. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on and I am so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week. If you want to learn how I detox and you want to check out my detox for Lyme checklist, go to lime360.com forward slash detox checklist. You can also join our community at Lyme360 Warriors on Facebook and let's heal together. Thank you.